Welcome to our study in 2 Peter. I'm Phil Robertson, joined by the Mark Lloyd, Dr. Mark Lloyd. How are you? Uh, yeah, there's two thought, Mark Lloyds around here. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. got Mark Lloyd around We have a senior and a junior. Yeah. I'm the senior. Well, it's kind of like Dr. Luke, yeah. Dr. Lloyd. There you this go. is how we go <laughs> in biblical terms. So, uh, hope you and your family are doing well. We thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're actually getting close to wrapping up. Uh, our study here in Second Peter, and I tell you what, I'll have to confess, Mark, when I was studying today, and we're in Second Peter 2, um, if I didn't know better, Peter sounds like a cranky older fella who is just a little frustrated, and I don't mean that disrespectfully at all, but we're, we're getting a lot of emotion out of Peter. He's got something on his mind, which are these false teachers, and he's about to bring it, as you say in this common vernacular, this, this day and age. He's about to bring it. And what's even more interesting, as, as we read these first two verses, 10 and 11, he said angels don't bring any reviling judgment against these guys, but I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to. I'm about to. <laughs> yeah. well, and he brings it. Well, and it is interesting, if you uh, know the history of Peter, Peter generally was not one to uh, hold his tongue no, he doesn't miss uh, at times. But I, I find this fascinating, and to me this is, this is important. Uh, as you look at Peter and John in their final epistles, knowing that they're coming to the end of their life here on earth, both leave us with warnings, and warnings about false teaching. Add Paul to that list. Second Timothy is full of warnings. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have times when uh, they're just going to go away from the Word, mm -hmm. and you've got to be prepared for it, Timothy. He's, Peter's doing the same thing. John's doing the same thing. So, and these guys are 30 years apart. Yeah. So they all have in mind there is going to be an apostasy. And so we as, as Christians, uh, as believers, as members uh, of, a, of a church, I mean the church now, not just a local church, yeah, the Lord's church we yeah. have to be prepared for apostasy. Well, and it wasn't just uh, Peter and Paul uh, and John sounding the warning. If you look to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that's exactly what Jesus Exactly does. what he's saying. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, he warns about false teachers coming dressed like sheep yes. in wolf's clothing. In other words, they're going to come from among you, uh, but you will know them by their fruits. And as I read through uh, the second half of Second Peter here, chapter 2, that just kept jumping out to me. Yes. Look at their fruits. Yeah. Look at their fruits. Look what they're teaching, uh, what they're promoting what that's going to do to your life and it's totally opposed to what scripture and we have brought you the word of God understand I'm an apostle I have brought you the word of God uh, and he, he's talked about that this is not cunningly uh, fabled myths that mm -hmm. we're bringing to you we're bringing the truth and you need to compare the truth to what you see that they're saying uh, let's just look at this. Uh, I'm not going to read all of this, uh, but beginning really in verse 10 and then going through the end of the chapter, and again, we're in 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, just listen to the way he describes these who are the false teachers. Verse 12, irrational animals, <laughs> creatures of instinct. Uh, a little bit later, he will describe them in verse 14 as eyes full of adultery. In other words, all they're looking for, 
uh, is sexual immorality. Uh, they follow the way of Balaam, which is in no way uh, a compliment, if you know your Old Testament history and Balaam there. And then there are springs that are waterless, verse 17. Yeah. Uh, they, how, how, how you yeah, yeah, It's like that. You would, and, and the irony is, a spring without water, well, that's it's it's almost an oxymoron, but it's yeah. like they, they, they offer refreshment, but there's no refreshment uh, there with them. And then he, he, he wraps it all up with, they are dogs returning to vomit, or a clean pig who is now wallowing uh, in the mire, verse 22. Uh, no way to misinterpret how... Peter feels about those who twist the Word of God. He's thinking in every way, shape, or form how I'm going to describe, describe them, and I am going to hit them with everything I have. And so I, they're animals. Uh, they behave like animals. Uh, all they think about is, uh, is sexual immorality or uh, being satisfied. That's what animals do. Um, and if they f see a right way, they're going to take the opposite way. Right. <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's just amazing. But let me ask you this, though. Uh, as you go through this, and we put this in just real-life terms, clearly he's talking about discernment, the ability to discern between a false teacher and a teacher of the Word. But if Jesus says they are wolves in sheep's clothing, are they going to be as clearly, how would you say, seen by us, as we look to them, won't they come across as quite the opposite of what they appear? And Peter's just simply going, nope, here's where it's ending, but they don't necessarily look like a waterless spring. I, I think this is the end of things. Remember, in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says they're doing this secretly. Right. So uh, right. they're being subtle in the beginning with what they teach. It's as if yeah, you know, maybe there's a question about that specific. Mm -hmm. uh, you're saying that this has to be, this is the way the Scripture talks about it. He said, well, not so fast. It's Satan. You know, what was it the Lord said to you? Mm. Oh, you yeah, yeah, you're yeah, not really yeah, going to yeah, die. No, no, no. He knows that the day yeah. you eat thereof, yeah. you'll be like yeah, him. So I'm going to change, the, gonna change the, the thought here just a little bit. And I'm going to use a half-truth mm -hmm. uh, to convince you. Uh, and I think that's how they started out. But in the end, uh, there is no doubt as to who these people are and, and what they are preaching. But it goes from the subtle to the obvious. All right, I've got five things in the text so uh, that really should be on anybody's radar that when you listen to anybody, even us, and I would say that to anybody watching right now, these would apply to us as well. You apply these standards of discernment uh, when you listen to anybody teach, because this is something that we all need to keep in mind. It's, it's like a, a John says, we, we need to test the spirits. Yes. Uh, and as, as, as Paul will say in 1 Thessalonians 5, you know, test all things, cling to what is good. So here's Peter's five, five ways of testing, and it goes back to looking at fruits. And this is what I've got, and I'll just share with you the five things because this is the first you've probably heard my list as well, although I think it's straight out of the text. Five things to look for, to be mindful of, uh, when false teaching may be around. Number one, it's teaching that follows a corrupt desire. In other words, it's going to be teaching that's going to have a craving for what is sinful or of the world. Uh, it may not be blatant at first. 
but it's going to be the craving. Verse 10, uh, Peter says that here. Secondly, it is a... It is a teaching that seems to despise any kind of authority. It's hard to submit. It's that constant longing for any kind of freedom and have no oversight uh, at all. Uh, the total opposite of what Jesus says, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. That There's a, almost a despising of authority. Thirdly, this is out of verse 12. There's boasting about knowledge, but when you listen long enough, there's not actual knowledge. It's, it's not really a knowledge of the text. Uh, but, but it comes across like there's knowledge, but it really isn't. Uh, fourthly, there's that temptation and seems to be practice of immorality. Eyes full of adultery. Uh, he describes them in verse 14. They're, they're trying to free themselves to do something. Uh, that would be uh, sexually immoral. And then fifth, greed. Uh, notice verse 15. They, they're, they're like Balaam. They have a gain from wrongdoing. And you see that in the story of Balaam. And, and you know, and I was, like, if I put that list together and got to really thinking about it, you think of some of the, well, false teachers that have been exposed in the world around us. Maybe it's a televangelist. Maybe it's somebody... Uh, who we all thought was great, and then after they died, wow, boom, there's this big expose of revealing what's happened to them. Those things seem to always fall into their, in their lives. You see these things. Immorality and money, it's almost a constant mm -hmm. in the false teachers who have been exposed. And what have they done with their lives? They may be preaching a particular thing seemingly outwardly, but even in their own lives. There's been immorality. Uh, that seems to be almost across the board. Uh, and money. Greed right. for money. Uh, making money. We know those two things are there. But, but I, it's also, I want to feel important. I want to feel important. And so I'm gathering, I'm gathering people to my group that wants to hear what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It's in Second Timothy. You brought to somebody who's going to tickle your ear. Well, there are people out there who want to hear these things. Sure. In the guise of it being religious, being uh, something that is religious, and yet they're teaching horrible things underneath, and that's what we see. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was thinking of the power that corrupts and. There are three elements that can corrupt even the best of men. First of all, power is definitely, yeah. definitely one of them. Uh, money can easily corrupt. And then the idea to be popular, yes. uh, like you said, easily uh, can lead to anyone's corruption. It, it kind of makes the powerful examples that you see in Joseph and Daniel e even more powerful that neither one of those men were corrupted by influence or money. Uh, or, or popularity uh, in any way, shape, or form, uh, godly men all the way through. But that doesn't happen for all. It's, it's easy for us to fall in that vice, and, and the false teacher, well, falls into that vice of being corrupted. When Paul and Peter are writing, this is 30 years after Christ, mm -hmm. and already there are those who are espousing that Jesus hadn't even existed, uh, that he wasn't the Son of God, that they're there wasn't any physical resurrection. 
they're beginning to teach these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you've got a subset of false teachers that Peter's talking about that are really going overboard. And I see this as the beginning of Gnosticism because they're talking about knowledge and they're talking about this sensuality which the Gnostic was full of. Uh, we're so far above uh, what was considered to be sin with our knowledge that we can do anything we want to. Right. And so that's pretty much what they're saying here. Uh, look what you can get away with. Uh, and it's really crippling and hurting at least some of the members that he's talking about here, those who have just barely escaped from the ones who live in error. And I think they're isolating and really fixing on the new convert with some of these teachings. And these were, I guess, just ripe because yeah. that's what they've been doing. Well, it's, it's the, the way of Balaam. Uh, if we look at that down here uh, in verse 15, uh, do you remember the story of Balaam? Balaam's actually called to come and curse the Israelites. Yes. Uh, regardless of, of the yeah, prophet, prophet of God. God. Yeah. So yeah. he must have had some sort of a reputation that they could call on him and feel comfortable in calling on him. They may not have understood that the Israelites were children of God, mm-hmm. uh, but he had that reputation that Sure. Well, they could call on him. And he could be bought. Yeah, he, he could be bought. <laughs> he could be bought. And in and, and the story, if you know the Old Testament history of Balaam, uh, he's on his way to curse, and it, his donkey uh, calls him on the Well, he'd already cursed him. Yeah, that's, true, that's true. That's then true. he's going somewhere else <laughs> a, a second time, and that's when the donkey, <laughs> he was on his way. And he suddenly, talk to me? That's <laughs> right. I mean, the don- well, the donkey is, is hurting three times. Yeah. I mean, first he gets off the road, and he's off yeah. wandering, and the donkey, he's saying, there's the road over there, and he's starting to beat him. He says, why are you whipping? The, the donkey says, why are you whipping me? I mean, here's Balaam. He's so mad that he's talking to the donkey. And he keeps talking to the donkey because then the donkey does something to him again. He presses him up against the wall. He's saying to the donkey, you're hurting me. You're hurting my leg. He said, I'm not going anywhere. Look ahead of you and find yeah. Finally, Balaam sees the angel. The angel speaking to him. That's yeah. right, the angel speaking to him. But I love it. He, Peter just brings out the donkey here saying, uh, restraining him from his madness. I love him putting it. He's sitting there talking to a donkey. And as if, you know. Yeah. Uh, you look at the story. Balaam doesn't come out good. In no, the story. not at all. Balaam doesn't come out good at all. No. Uh, and 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 you see it that way. Uh, the thing is, we kind of put this. Let's just give this some real life application. Are there false teachers in the world of Christianity today? Oh yes, absolutely. What do we need to be looking for so we are not conned or deceived uh, by the false teacher? Let, let's just be honest. You're not going to find too many books in a Christian bookstore that are going to, well, share a text like this. No. Although this is straight from the Bible. Well, this this is, is not a popular text. These guys were extreme. Yeah. And, and Peter's treating them as extreme, but we have to understand about false teaching. It is there. It's been in every generation. It was starting 30 years after Christ is on the earth, and we've got to be able to pick these people out. 
And that's exactly what Peter's encouraging us to be mindful of. You know, true gospel is going to sound warnings. It's not always yeah. going to be warm and fuzzy. Uh, be mindful that the, the honest and true servant of the Lord is not going to be just reaping in millions and millions of dollars. That should be a warning sign to you uh, as well. And then a true servant of the Lord sharing the message is not going to be compromising morals in any sh yeah. way, shape, or form. In his own life or approving somebody else in their right. life, uh, you just, it's just not going to be. Yeah, I actually uh, was reading a book not too long ago that was trying to help people with time management, but pretty much told Christians, you just need to learn how to rest and, and, and do nothing, which there is a principle for the Sabbath in yeah. that. But the Lord has also called us to servitude. He's, he's also called us to action, and that can't be forgotten either. Uh, in fact, even our Lord Jesus says we work because the day is coming when no man can work. So, yes, there are principles that need to be understood with the, uh, the Sabbath, but at the same time, we are also servants of the Lord and we've come to serve others. We need to be mindful of doing too little uh, than often just too much. If, if we have a teacher telling us, and they're, they're out there, who are saying, you need to put yourself first. Me is the most important. Me is the most important. There is not a word in Scripture that teaches that. Right. Yeah. It's the Lord first, your neighbor second. And then submitting to authority. And then, you then know, submitting this, to authority. This is another Yourself one. is way down the list. Yeah. You're not at the head of the list. And as sometimes as, as tired as we may get in doing right, um, you are never ever at the forefront yourself is not the most important just go read philippians 2 yes uh, go read first Corinthians. Yeah. Uh, i mean go read isaiah 53 yeah. uh first corinthians 13 looking at the definition yeah. of love uh you know and 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 the false teacher though preys upon our desires man yes. i wish i didn't have to do so much uh, i wish i didn't have to be so more well maybe you're not maybe yeah. you're misinterpreting would yeah. be and there's that that deception that seeps in. And Peter says, be careful. What are your priorities? What, yeah. who, is the Lord first in everything in your life? And I start, I put that in Sunday morning worship. Mm -hmm. Wednesday night, when you're here, uh, we set aside a time to be studying together. Mm -hmm. uh, when we start putting other priorities ahead of the Lord, we got to be, there are going to be teachers out well, there who are saying, that's okay for you to do. That's well, fine for you to well, do. Well, Mark, he didn't say you had to go no, at that time. No, it doesn't say well, that you have to go. But the Lord had, we as elders have made uh, a disposition of saying, we think this is good for the congregation. Right. Well, who are you with? Yeah. I, I mean, we are not just saying this to stroke our own ego. We're saying this we feel that this is important for people in this world to get out of the world and study Scripture together. Now, why is that not important? Well, and I, I would make the point, too, just, if you want to just focus on assembling and why it's important. In the world around us, many, many places have turned just the gathering into an entertainment. Yes. Or what can it do for me? Yes. What does the church do for me? Where, in reality... The idea of assembling is, what can I do for, for others? You. Now, now, granted, somebody may need to mature in their faith to get to that point, but we don't need to be discouraging that at all. Uh, we need to be encouraging people to grow in their faith to where I don't just come because I have to. I come because I want to, and I come because I want to stir up love and good work among my brethren. A mature Christian is 
more often a giver yeah. and not a taker. That's what Scripture is saying. As I mature in the Lord, I understand that I am there for a purpose to help others. I am going to be a giver. And you want to be involved in a congregation that there is a whole bunch of givers in that con congregation and not takers. Um, these guys are preaching freedom. You take. You yeah. take. They're preaching freedom. I don't have to do that. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting. So it says in verse 19, this fits right in there. They promise them freedom but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Exactly. Look at the, right. look at the oxymoron here. Yeah. They're saying, you can be free of this, but we're so involved in this that we have been, we've been corrupted. We, we yeah. really want this corruption. That's what he's saying in 13. Suffering wrong is the wages of doing wrong. I think that's basically saying uh, the, the intent of this whole thing is to get away with it. Yeah. I don't want to have to suffer. Yeah. I don't want to have to suffer. Just to get away with it. Mm -hmm. and, and we are so far gone that we think that we can get away with this. That's where their rationalization has got themselves to. And they're wanting to, to get you convinced of that. You're free. That's what the Gnostic was saying. If you have enough knowledge, you're free of all this in slavery. And if you go to the very end of it, what a powerful analogy. The person who wants to return to any form of worldliness to run away from the purity of the word. They're like a dog going back to vomit or the pig wallowing uh, in, in the mire. Uh, dramatic language. But it speaks to what we need to be, always be reminded of. Our Lord has freed us from this world. Don't go back and get entangled in it again. And be very careful of those who preach Christianity in the world can go hand to hand. Our Lord does not offer us that. There, there are passages in Scripture that I like to underline that I consider to be important. Verse 20, uh, I have underlined and underlined it. For if after, they have a, if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Now, who's the they there? Well, some people will say, well, it's the false prophets. He was part of the Lord at one time, right. and they, they have now denied that. Well, maybe so. Then some will say, well, maybe it's that ones who have barely escaped from the ones who live in error. Well, maybe they are the they there. I think Peter is saying, Brethren, you read all of this, and I'm applying this to you. If you think that you have tasted of the Lord and then entangle yourself back into the world again and are overcome, guess what's going to happen to you? Yeah. So I think this is to all of us. Well, and would it be also the entanglement is stronger because now when they go back and get entangled, they think... It has a form of godliness. They think it has a form because they've been deceived by the false teacher yeah. to think that way. You know, when, before you become a Christian, you know you're consumed by sin. Yeah. You feel that sin. You feel the weight of the world literally upon you. Jesus frees you from that. But if I can go back and act worldly and do it yeah. in God's eyes okay or find a way to justify it spiritually... Well, then that is a true entrapment. It, a lot of people made a lot of this become worse for them than the first. And does Scripture talk about... Uh, I don't think about levels of punishment. I, I, I don't I see think, that there. I don't, I don't. What I'm saying is, you've known the truth. Mm -hmm. 
And now you have lost it. And when the final judgment comes, you think of what that's going to mean to you that I had it. I had it. And then let it go. go. That's going to really work on you emotionally. And if you were responsible in any way for deceiving others, that would be a great way. Just think about that. Mm -hmm. What that's going to mean to you. You you had tasted the Lord and now you gave it up for this. Uh, It's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. And so, 2 Peter 2, if it's uh, teaching me anything, it's you be prepared to withstand the false prophet. He's going to be out there. These are the things that he's going to try to, to encourage you or get you with. Just be prepared for it. Well, I, I would say it's also to don't just watch out for the false prophet. Be careful of becoming yes. a false prophet. Don't be ambitious in any of these five areas. Yes. Just be very, very mindful of what it can lead to. And, and that's that's kind of it. Be a child yeah. of God. Yeah, be a child. And the word is simple, which takes us back to the overall theme. What's the remedy? Grow. Yeah. Grow in chapter the grace one. and knowledge. Yeah. And chapter three yeah, at the yeah, very yeah. end. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus yes. Christ. Wow, powerful chapter. And wow, the next chapter is about the Lord's return. So... Which many people have misconstrued, and we'll yeah. try to yeah. decipher chapter three next week. If you have everybody. any, that's a good thing. If yeah. you have any questions about the Lord's return, or you have something that you would like for us to discuss, send us a note. Uh, let us know. Uh, put a comment uh, under the video here on the YouTube channel, or you can send me an email. Uh, Phil Robertson, just spell out my name, Phil Robertson at Cox.net. Many in our church family, you have our emails. Send us a note if there's something you want us to discuss about the Lord's return uh, or some theory that you hear in the world. Let us know and we'll make sure we add that to next week's study. Looking forward to it. Anything else you got? We're about to end. Yeah. Second Peter. Wow, man. You and I are going to have to come up with another subject. I'm sure. Well, there's a few other books in here that we could probably uh, jump into without a problem. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.